All right. Well, would you pray with me over our message for today? Well, my mic's giving me some trouble. Usually it's the children that are a little fussy. Today it's my microphone. Oh, that's not good. We'll get it. We'll call this message, Can Pastor Outsmart a Microphone? I think, I think we got it. No? All right. We're going to make it work. Lord, I pray that you speak this morning. I pray that these are your words. And God, you did not bring anybody here by accident. Even if they think they just stumbled in, Lord, you have something to say. So I pray that we listen this morning and that we're changed, not by human philosophy or emotion, but by your word. And so I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, we are on the fruit of the Spirit. And for those who maybe haven't been here for the past several weeks, what we're doing is in Galatians, um, we have a list of things that the Bible tells us if you are being led by God in your life, if the Spirit of God that lives in you is leading your life, these are the things that are gonna grow out of your life. It's called fruit. This is what's gonna spill out of your life if you're being led by the Spirit of God. We also have a list of things that it says if you're being led by your flesh, by your sinful nature, by the thing that you've always followed your whole life, there are other things that are gonna grow out of your life. And, and you can look at them. And, and so we're, we're looking at this because it's important for us to know Am I being led by the Spirit of God, or am I being led by just my own desires that I've always been led by? And we, we can look at some really solid fruit to know that. And so we started with love. That's kind of, you have to start there. If you don't have love, nothing else matters. But this isn't love the way we look at it. This is selfless, perfect love that's going to grow out of your life if you're being led by the Spirit of God. Your flesh is going to have selfish ambition. That's one on the list of the fruit of the flesh. Then we looked at joy, which is different than happiness. Joy is saying, I can rejoice even when I don't like my current circumstance. That's what being led by the Spirit grows out of your life. Your flesh is going to be envious and say, no, I'm going to be jealous because your current situation is good and mine isn't, and that's what I'm going to worry about. Then we looked at patience. The ability to endure difficulty, that's how we change, that's how we grow, that's how we're refined as Christians. And if we're being led by the Spirit, we'll be able to endure difficult seasons. As we are growing, our flesh is going to look for shortcuts. It's going to look for a way out. The easy way is what our flesh is always looking for. And finally, last week we talked about kindness, which is specifically what do you do when you have power? over somebody else? What do you do when you're the one in control, when you can really hurt somebody, when you have authority and power over somebody else? Are you good to them? How do you treat them? Because the Spirit of God is kind. The Spirit of God, I mean, you know how much power God has. He's always the one in control, yet he's always good to us. That's kindness. But our flesh will hold on to hatred, which is, man, when someone was in power over me, they hurt me. When someone was in control of me, they used that power to hurt me. And so wait till I get my chance. Wait till I get power. I'll show them. And that's what your flesh is going to do. That's what hatred looks like. 
And so today we're looking next on the list, and those of you who are like me and grew up in Sunday school and had to memorize them, you might know what the next fruit of the Spirit is, and it's goodness. And I, and I talked last week about one of the things that's kind of confusing about the fruit of the Spirit is there's three terms that seem like they're very interchangeable. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, those seem like they're all the same, right? We can just lump all those together and just say, don't be a jerk, be a good person, don't be mean, and we're done. And there's an element of that to each of these. There's an element of doing good things, but they're all specific for, for a very intentional situation. So last week we talked about how kindness is very specific to when you are in power, when you have some authority, when you have some ability to harm or help. That's where kindness really shows itself. And goodness is really interesting as well because goodness is used in the Bible in a very specific way. And this word goodness, it's, it's not used a lot. It's only used in the Bible four times. And many scholars agree that it's not really used outside of the Bible that they can find. And that's rare. So this is a word that is not used very often, but when it's used, it's very intentional on why it's used. And what this word is, the best way I can describe it, it's, is when you do good and it comes from inside of you. When, when there's a character of being good. It, it's, it's a word that means I am, therefore I do right? Because all of us understand the difference of, I do something because I know I have to, right? Have you ever asked a toddler to apologize before, right? Do you know what I'm saying? You make them apologize, but they don't want to. They're not feeling it, but they know they're going to get in trouble if they don't. It's not coming from in here. They're like, I got to say these words, because if I don't say these words, I'm going to get in trouble, so I will say them. It looks very different than someone who is truly in their core sorry and apologetic for what happened and wants to change. You know the difference in those apologies? That's what this goodness is talking about, is there's doing good just because I know I should. Uh, it's probably the right thing to do. Uh, I'll get in trouble if I don't. And then there's doing good because from your very core, from your very heart, you desire to, and you, you've been kind of changed from the inside out, and you desire to do good. And, and when this word is used, it's, it's used as a character trait. It's not necessarily just what somebody did. It's if they did it, did they do it from their heart, or did they just act it out? And this is where it gets really difficult for us kind of in the modern church, because I think if we're being really honest with ourselves, a lot of, of pressure sometimes what we feel from, from going to church is to just act the right way, right? And, and I'm gonna say something that I know is gonna sound really like of course, but I want you to really let it sink in, is that you are not called as a Christian to play a new character. You are called to be transformed into a new person. And I know that that sounds like, well, of course, but I'm shocked as I talk to people, as I counsel people, even in my own life, how many times I am trying to just play a better character than I am really doing the work to be transformed into a different person. And that's what's so important with this word goodness is because with kindness, it's like, well, 
you can kind of be kind even if you don't want to. Like, even if you're like, oh, I really want to hurt this person, but I shouldn't, so I'll be nice to them. You can do that without your heart. You can be kind without your heart. A lot of these you can kind of do without your heart. But the reason that goodness is so important is it nails down the fact that you have to actually have this character trait inside of your heart. That transformation inside of us is so important. Now, I want to be clear because there are going to be times where as a Christian, you have to do something you don't want to do, right? Those of you who have been a Christian for a while, you can attest. There's going to be times you're like, I don't want to do this, but I know I should, so I have to do it. And there are going to be times of that. And in short bursts, that's called discipline. And that's good. We should be disciplined as believers. There should be moments where we say, hey, I don't really want to do this. I would rather do something else, but I know that this is right, so I'm going to do it. That's good. That's called discipline. But what I want to talk to you about today is that that cannot be a way of life. You cannot live life constantly doing things with your hands and with your mouth that your heart is not in on. It, you can't continue that. You can't maintain that for the long term. And that's what is so important about this word goodness being in this fruit of the Spirit, is, is to remind us that it's not about playing a new character. It's not about how good we can act. It's not about how good we can read a room and see what everyone else is doing and kind of do good things like everyone else is doing. There's something else that should be happening if we are a Christian. Because it's true. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, he asked a lot of people to change their behavior. And that's one of the things that's lost on Jesus is we don't really think about that. But he did. He, he talked to a person who had never walked and he told them to walk. He talked to a blind person and he said, open your eyes and see. But what you'll notice is he didn't just say like, just really try hard. Just really gut it out. Just, just make it happen. What he did was he made a change in them. He transformed them in some way that allowed for that. And then he said, now change your behavior. And I think as Christians, sometimes we are guilty of jumping the gun on that, where we're trying to change our behavior before we allow him to actually change us. We're kind of the, the person who's lame that's trying to get up and walk before we've really been healed yet. And then all we're doing is pretending. We're acting. We're doing good things, but it is not coming from our heart. So let's look at where else this word goodness is used in the Bible. I'm going to bring you to Romans chapter 15, verse 14. This is one of the other few places that this word is used. And this is what it says. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. So why am I reading you this verse? It's interesting because he says, the reason I know you're competent is because you're full of goodness. Now, competent isn't a word that we really like to use. That's almost an insulting word. If someone were to ask, like, how would I do today? And I was like, you were competent. Like, you'd probably be like, that's not a very nice thing to say. Like, it seems like the bare minimum. But if I were to say, okay, it says competent to instruct one another. If I were to come to you and say, what would make somebody competent to instruct each other 
about the Bible. You might say, well, if they have a seminary degree, maybe if they did an internship, maybe if they trained under a pastor, maybe if they took some tests and all that, there would be a lot of ways that you would say, this is how I know you're competent. But this is not what it says in Romans. It doesn't say, now that you passed the test, now that you've studied enough, now that you've done this, it says, now that you are full of goodness, you are competent to instruct. So why is it that this idea that being full of goodness, being actually having ourselves changed from the inside out is what makes us competent to instruct one another? And what I'll do is I'll point you to the fact that Right now, it almost seems like every month there's like a big name pastor who's got a scandal going on, right? We've all seen it. We've all noticed it. It's like one by one, these, these big pastors are, there's some scandal that they're in. And you're going, why? What's going on? Why, why, why do we keep seeing this? Because they're so well-educated and they're so well-spoken. But the problem is, if you're playing a character... If that's what you're doing is playing a character, you can only do it for so long before you just can't do it anymore. Have you guys noticed that? Like if you meet someone new, maybe you get into a new friend group and this friend group is all into like something and you want to fit in and the thing that they're into you think is really dumb, but you're like, all right, I'll just pretend that I like it. You can do it for a while, but eventually you just can't. You just can't keep doing it. You, you, you burn out eventually. In fact, Jim Carrey, the actor, most of you know him, he, he struggled very publicly with depression. He's one of the few people who are very rich, very famous, who allowed his struggle with depression to be widely known. And one of the big reasons is he wanted people to know that you can be rich, you can be famous, and, and you can still struggle with this. But he defined depression very, very interestingly. He says, I define depression by your heart saying, I can't play this character anymore. That's how he felt it was, is eventually you've been playing a character for so long and it's not really you and, and you're just pretending and you're going through the motions and you're doing the right things, but it's not coming from your heart and your heart is just getting weighed down and it's getting numbed because it's not part of anything you're doing. Your heart gets left home in the morning and the rest of what you do is just an act. It's just pretending. And you started out with good intentions. You started out because you wanted to be a good Christian. You wanted to make God happy, and it was good intentions. But now it's like your heart has completely lost the plot. Your heart doesn't even know why you're doing what you're doing anymore. And he said, eventually your heart gets to that point where it just says, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep pretending. I can't keep playing this character. This happened to me. Um, when I first, my, my first time being a lead pastor, I had no idea what I was doing. I know that's a shock, but I had no idea what I was doing. I was, I was just like trying to figure it out as, as I go. And I remember my first year, every time there was a really hard decision I needed to make, and I didn't, it was scary, what I would ask myself is I'd say, Eric, what would a good pastor do? And then I would just do whatever I thought a good pastor would do. I never asked myself, Eric, what do you think is right? I never asked myself, Eric, what is the Holy Spirit telling you to do? I just said, what would a good pastor do? And I just started playing a good pastor. I was, I was acting. I got really good at acting as a good pastor, but it was not coming from me. My heart was being totally bypassed 
because it was just my brain. What would a good pastor do? I'll do that. And I got really good at acting like a good pastor. And for the first year, it worked really good. And then by year two, I started to get really tired. I started to get really cynical. I started getting really jaded. And by year three, I was barely hanging on and my heart was numb. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. And I had to realize that I wasn't being a good pastor. I was playing a good pastor. And there's a big difference between the two of those. It wasn't coming from my heart. I wasn't saying, Lord, transform me and let me act out of who I am. I was saying, God, I think I have a pretty good idea of what I should do, and I'll just I'll go through the motions. But what happens is if you bypass your heart long enough, everything starts to fall apart. And I walked through that. And again, in the short term, you are going to have to bypass your heart sometimes because your heart doesn't always point you in the right direction. And that's discipline. And you should be able to say, okay, right now, my heart wants me to do something that I know isn't right, and I'm going to say no because that's right. But that cannot be how we live our life because eventually what's going to happen is your heart is just going to completely reject what you're doing because you have bypassed it for too long. And it's going to be numbed and it's going to be weighed down because it can't act anymore. It can't pretend anymore. And that's where it sounds like a good idea at the beginning to be like, I'll just act. I'll just do the right things because I know they're right. But if we don't let our hearts be transformed, if we can't act from our hearts, then what's going to happen is eventually our hearts are going to get really tired and really weighed down and they're, they're going to they're gonna reject us. And I think if we're all honest, don't raise your hand. Most of us have been through that. Some of you might be going through it right now or at least know somebody who's going through that where it's like, I'm doing all the right things, but why do I feel like this? Why is my heart so exhausted with what I'm doing? And I think if you were to be honest, you'd probably see that you've been bypassing your heart for a long time. You haven't let your heart be in what you're doing because you're just pretending, you're acting. And that doesn't make you a bad person. Like I said, we all struggle with that. And again, you might not be a pastor. Well, I don't think many of you are, but maybe you'll do the same thing. What would a good husband do? What would a good wife do? What would a good this do? What would a good that do? And we just play the role that we think is good, but it's not coming from our hearts. Our hearts aren't being changed. Our hearts aren't being transformed. We're doing good things, but it's just because we're acting like a good person instead of being truly transformed into someone that can do good things from their heart and let their heart be in it. And, and the reason I say this is, is there's a scary thing that happens when your heart gets disconnected with what you're doing. And this is from Jesus in Luke chapter 21, verse 34. It says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. So even Jesus warns, like, be careful when your heart starts to get weighed down. Be careful when your heart starts to get really tired, when you've been bypassing it for a long time. Because what's going to happen is when your heart starts hurting, because it's not in what you're doing, it's going to look for ways for you to numb it. See, that's what your flesh does. That's how your flesh solves problems. If there's pain, your flesh doesn't want to fix it. Your flesh wants to numb it. That's what it does. And so 
when I read the fruit of the flesh, when we first started, like these are the things that you're gonna see in your life if your flesh is in charge. One of those words probably was a little difficult for us here in rural Wisconsin, and it was drunkenness, right? Now, before you get up and leave, let me talk. I grew up in Wisconsin. I understand this word, drunkenness, that it says this is what your flesh is going to do if it's in charge. This is not having a glass of wine with dinner. This is not going out to a restaurant and having a beer. This is the, the best translation of this is deep drinking, the kind of drinking that you're numbing something, the kind of drinking that you're like, I'm trying to escape something, the kind of drinking that's perfect for numbing a heart that is hurting because it's been pretending for too long. And the reason, if you look at what Jesus says, he says, and, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. There's, there's a reason we call these things vices because that's what a vice does. It traps you in it. And that's what happens with these things that we look to to numb our hearts is they work for a little while. See, that's the hardest thing with sin is they work for a little while. It does make you feel better for a little while, but it suddenly starts to close on you and it traps you. And it doesn't just have to be drinking. There's plenty of vices. There's plenty of other drugs that you can turn to. And some of you, again, if you're really still trying to act like the good Christian, you're like, well, I can't do that, so I'll do shopping, right? I'll watch garbage TV. There's a hundred other things we can do that are vices, but I'm just gonna be honest. And again, I'm not talking about a glass of wine at dinner. I'm not talking about having a beer at a restaurant. I'm talking about deep drinking. In Wisconsin, most of us know somebody who this trap has closed on them, right? This is a scary thing. I, I looked at a study of the drunkest cities in, the, in our country. Have you guys, any of you seen that study? So this is how they gauge it, is, is they, they poll people in all across the country, and how they define drunkenness is that you have more than five drinks at least one day a week. So in one day, you have at least five drinks at least once a week, or you have, you average over 15 drinks a week. So again, we're not talking about a glass of wine at dinner. We're not talking about a beer at a restaurant. We're talking about deep drinking, trying to numb something, hurting yourself to try to get away from something. Of the top 10 cities, drunkest cities, Wisconsin has seven of the top 10. 70% of the top 10 drunkest cities are from Wisconsin. We're not even a big state. I didn't even know we had that many big cities. And of the top 20, we have 12. And this was just this year. So this is where I say, this is a problem. And, and it might not be drunkenness for you, but most of us, if we've acted for a long time and our hearts are hurting and our hearts are not involved and we're going through the motions, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, but there's something wrong and our hearts aren't involved and we're struggling and we're hurting, if our flesh is in charge, it's gonna look for a vice. That's just what it does. It's gonna look for a way to numb it and we have to be careful about this because it is a trap. It will close on you. That's what Jesus said and like I said, we all probably, look, I was born and raised in rural Wisconsin. We all know somebody that this trap has closed on them and they're, they're hurting and they're struggling. But here's why it's important, is that do you know that if you are a Christian, even if you're not a pastor, even if you're not a missionary, you have a calling on your life. Do you guys know that? You have a purpose. If you are a Christian, none of us are just sitting the bench watching. 
We all have a calling. We all have a purpose. Listen to this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. He says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. And again, you might ask, what would make me worthy of my calling, right? If I have this calling on my life, what would make me worthy of it? Is it, is it all, of the, all of the things I do? Is it all the accomplishments? Is it how good I am at, at acting like a good Christian? The Bible says, no, it's being filled with goodness. And the thing about those numbing agents, the thing about those vices, is they keep you from really pressing in to be changed. Because you don't have to change if you can't feel the pain, right? It's that pain that forces you to be changed. And that's why oftentimes we think of pain as a bad thing, but I'm telling you, it's not. If you put your hand on a stove, pain is good because it tells you, get your hand off the stove. If you didn't feel the pain, you just let your whole hand get destroyed. Sometimes pain is exactly what we need. But if all we're doing is numbing it as we feel it, we're never going to get what we need to truly Come to Jesus and say, I need to change. I need my heart to be transformed. I want to do these good things from who I am, not from just some, some character that I'm trying to play. And again, if, if you're in that spot, I'm not here to like yell at you because I shared my own example. It's really easy to fall into this trap of playing a character. But I'm just here to tell you, you won't be able to do it your whole life. You can't sustain it your heart will revolt against you and it will demand to be numbed. And if you go that route, it's going to be really difficult. Instead, what I encourage you to do is allow whatever pain you feel, whatever's going on that you feel that pain in your heart and you're like, man, I can't keep acting, I can't keep doing this. Allow that to drive you to Jesus, to say, would you change my heart? Would you truly transform my heart? Would you let it, me be somebody where these good things are actually coming just from who I am, and I'm not doing it because I'm pretending, I'm not doing it because I'm playing a character, I'm doing it because that's who I am, because I've been changed and I've been transformed. But as long as we're numbing the pain, we're gonna have no reason to really lay ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And that's where sometimes the pain, the tension, the discomfort is the best possible thing because it forces us to take care of what's wrong. Pain is an indicator that something's wrong. It's not necessarily always something to just try to numb and make go away. And for most of us, I'll just be honest, in my story, my story was I needed to start living from my heart, but my heart wasn't quite there yet, so I had to force myself to get on my knees and say, Jesus, would you change my heart so that I can operate from that place? And these good things aren't an act. They're just who I am. That's goodness. That's the fruit of the Spirit is, is I am, therefore I do. Not I do so that someday I might be, right? And this is my encouragement because if you have to bypass your heart, you're going to have to do it sometimes. That's discipline. There are going to be times where you have to tell your heart, nope, I'm in charge, we're doing this, but that cannot be a way of life because eventually your heart will get weighed down by what you're doing. You're going to start to rely on vices, and they're going to close on you. And so I just feel like today, 
there, there's someone here whose heart is just hurting. And I just want to encourage you. It doesn't mean, number one, that you have to give up. It doesn't mean that you're just a bad person. And it doesn't mean you have to just get better at pretending. What it means is that you need to rely on Jesus and press into him to change your heart, to be transformed. There's a reason we call it being born again. Because again, you're not called to play a new character. You're called to be transformed into a new person. And that's very different. And that's on the table for all of us. Jesus wants to make us all into new people where the good things we do flows from us. And yes, we're going to always be growing, and I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. But don't give up and don't keep pretending. Press into Jesus and say, would you change my heart so that I can do these things from my heart and I don't have to try to bypass it anymore. I don't have to pretend anymore. I can do this from who I am. So if you guys will stand, I want to pray with you before we close. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that you are good. You don't just do good things. Lord, when you do good things, you're not pretending. You're not playing a character. You do good things because you are good. And, and your goodness flows out. And Lord, that's our heart, is we want to have goodness flow from us because we've been changed, Lord God. And so, Lord, right now, I just thank you that, that you have shown us what that looks like, Lord God. That you don't pretend, Lord, that, that you... You just are, and you do good because you are good. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you fill us with that goodness, Lord God, that we are truly changed and transformed from the inside out, Lord God, that, yes, we are going to have to be disciplined. Yes, we're going to have to override our hearts from time to time. But, Lord, that's not how we live life. That's not the state that we live in day in and day out, Lord. We're not called to play a character. We're called to be made new into a new creation. And Lord, I just thank you that that's available to each of us, Lord, that we don't have to pretend. We don't have to play a character. And Lord, I pray right now over whoever is here whose heart is just really hurting and who has been weighed down, and, and they might be in the midst of, of using a, a vice that has closed on them just to try to numb the pain. God, I pray, number one, that, that anyone who, who has a vice that has closed on them that you free them in the name of Jesus Christ, that you, you unhook that vice, that, that they, they can be freed from that, Lord God. But Lord, I pray that, that even in that pain that they're feeling, that they don't give up, that they don't keep pretending, but that they press into you and they, they just lay their heart at your feet to be changed and transformed, Lord, that, that they would be born again and that the things that they do could come out of their heart, Lord God, and, and it could be real. Lord, we just love you, and we love that we get to represent who you are, and, and this is one of those ways, Lord. You are good. You don't pretend. You don't act. Lord, so help us. Lord, change us. Transform us, Lord God, and we pray this in your name. Amen.